we want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com.
with a visual of baptism, he would call us to die. He always calls us to die. That's his message. That's why it's weird that it's exciting to die because to die is to live. And I want us just to take just a moment, 20 seconds, whatever, and stay standing, be seated, get on your knees, whatever you need to do. We're just going to talk to Jesus. We're going to recommit anything in our hearts that's, that we haven't let die to him. And it seems like a negative. I know as a teenager, I was always like, I don't, I, I, I wasn't this way. I understood. But I heard my friends say, I don't want to be a Christian because you can't do this. You can't do that. And you can't do that. And it was always about um, death to them that they have to die to certain things. But it was only because God, Jesus had more for us. If we would let those counterfeits go, not live for them, but live for him. And so, Lord, right now, we just say once again at 20 years old, 30 years old, 60 years old, whatever we are, that we surrender to you. And as we go into this Easter season of the ultimate surrender of you on the cross, that we would somehow get a little bit of understanding that we are crucified with you. Nevertheless, we live. That does not make sense in our hearts or does not make sense in our minds, but it can make sense in our hearts. We die to ourselves. We surrender to ourselves. If there be anyone here that is sensing that uh, God is calling you to a, to a deeper, deeper commitment to him, let that happen today as we talk about Jesus in his last days on this earth because we are probably in our last days as well. Lord, we surrender. We surrender. We're going to go back and sing the song at the end today, but just one more time, real quietly, real still. I'm not enough. Can you sing that with us? Unless you come. Unless you come. Not just right now, but when we leave this place. Will you meet me, Jesus? All I want. Is all you are. Contrary to what I think I want, all I want is you. Not for a minute was I forsaken. Would you declare that the Lord is in this place? The Lord is in this place. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Declare the Lord is in this place. I surrender everything to you. The Lord is in this place. One more time. Not for a minute. Not for a minute. Was I forsaken? The Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Build and build and build. We're going to sing it again in a little bit, but be seated. Would you say just in, under your breath or out loud, would my ask, ask God to let your dry bones awaken? Well, my bones aren't dry. Well, all of us could stand a helping of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Over here, Bertha, can we stood to have a helping of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. She would attest to that. Come on up and. I just want to read off my phone today. Scandalous. Uh, Proverbs 11. It says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And I know I, I shared that verse a couple weeks ago, but I just, the Lord keeps bringing me back to it because there's a reason that the Bible talks about being generous so much. And have you guys ever thought about that? Is the, the more generous you are, the, the bigger your world seems to get? Because uh, the Lord never meant for you to go through life like this. 
just looking straight down at your own feet, worrying about where you're going and where your next step is. Because when we raise our heads up, we see there's other people around us, right? And so I just want to encourage you guys in that this morning. Ushers, if you want to come forward, is that just whether it's of your money or your time or your energy, I just uh, encourage you to say yes to being generous because your world truly does get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, Lord, I thank you for your generosity, God. And, Lord, I thank you that as we push into you and grow closer to you, that generosity just naturally starts to flow through us, God. And, Lord, I just pray we never become tired of being generous, God, and, and, and so uh, self-consumed, I guess you could say, that, that we forget that we were created for bigger and better things, God. So, Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In your name, amen. We went through a series, and we're going to go back to it after Easter, about being filled with the Holy Spirit, how important it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But as you can't uh, forget what's coming up uh, that we're celebrating, at least in, in our in our uh, country, we celebrate it maybe a little bit off with the calendar, but it's all based on the Passover of the Jewish holiday. That um, Jesus was in his last days during this time 2,000 years ago. And I would thought it was, would be a great idea to just take a moment and lead this talk, these talks about uh, the Holy Spirit and look at the greatest uh, example of someone being led by the Holy Spirit there is. Does anybody know the answer? Jesus, that's right. Jesus is the best example. And um, when we look at his life, we see some awesome things um, that he did. Because finding the essentials from Jesus' last days on earth will help us navigate the last days we find ourselves living in. So um, would you take a moment right now and um, just prepare your hearts. Uh, get out your Bible if you have it. Get out your phone to Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 34. I'm going to read that in a minute. And also, um, maybe you want to take a couple of notes today as we're talking. I want you to think about some people God puts on your heart that you need to uh, encourage uh, when you leave this place. Thank you, my brother. I'll call you guys back up in just a minute. It always makes me sound more spiritual, what I'm doing, but it'll make me preach longer if you stay here, so I'll just keep moving. Um, we are calling this short series, The Last Days. Um, you would say, preacher, how do you know this is the last days? Jesus didn't tell us. We, don't, we have no idea when the last days are because no one knows the date or time. But a kingdom-focused person, everyone listening online, we're glad that you're here as well. But listen to this. Kingdom-focused people, two things about them. A, they live with an urgency to spread the love of Jesus. B, they have an expectancy that he'll be coming soon. So these are the last days, whether it's 20 days or 80 years before Jesus comes back. We have a passionate, passionate, everybody say passionate, purpose to fulfill who is the best model of passion that we have? That's the answer. Does anybody know? Jesus. Nice to see you, my sister. I know who you are now that I see it. That's good. Good to see you. Nice to have you. Nice to have you, my sister. I don't know anything going on in your two lives here, but maybe we'll hear about it. Um, there's an engagement over here to the left here. Would you give them a big hand? Nobody models this passion better than Jesus. Let's look at um, Mark 10. If you ever wondered what was essential in these last days, take a look at what Jesus did in his. Back on the road, I'm going to read it in the message version. Um, your Bibles might uh, be something else, but this gives you a different perspective. Back on the road, they set out for Jerusalem. Jesus had a head start on them. And they were following, puzzled, and not just a little afraid. That's funny, like, not just a little afraid. I guess that means they were a lot afraid. He took the, he was one, they were wondering, why are you 
running ahead of us. Why do you have a head start on us? Um, he took the 12 and began again to go over to what, what to expect next. Listen to me, guys, carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the religious leaders and scholars. And I'm sure the disciples were like, well, then why are we going there? That doesn't make sense. They will sentence him to death. Maybe they didn't even realize who him was at the time. I don't know. Then they will hand him over to the Romans who will mock and spit on him, give him the third degree. That's not a good translation there, but that part. And kill him. After the three days, what will happen to Jesus? After three days, Jaden. What will he do after three days? No, he died already. What will he do after three days? And then what? He will come back to life, right? <laughs> yes, Jesus is alive. He says that all the time. I want to entitle today's message in this last day series, Two Essentials for Our Last Days. Would you pray with me? Lord, show us the essentials to navigate these last days by looking at how you lived with yours. I thank you for our time together. I know that there's a hundred distractions that could keep us from focusing on what you have for us. But I pray that we would focus today so that we can hear what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me through this. This is not a lesson. This is not a sermon. This is an opportunity for us to take 20 minutes or, or less and listen to you and see what you say to us in Jesus' name. I just officiated my um, aunt's funeral this last week in, in Phoenix. And she had died of, um, she had stage four cancer. And the point I want to make is that way before this, like four months ago, she was telling me that I am not afraid to die. And I was wanting to tell her, well, you're not dying anytime soon. But it was almost like she knew. She hadn't even found out she had cancer at that point. I am not afraid to die. I am excited to get out of here. I don't know if she said it like that, excited. But she said, I can't wait to see my husband and to see Jesus in heaven. She had a perspective that we all need to have. She was settled on God's promise of heaven. If there's a better example, it would be, of course, Jesus was certainly settled on, right? He was settled on God's promise of heaven. He knew heaven was coming for him. And, but you got to imagine he was still a person. At, sorry, he was still a person at the time. I said passionate. We need to be passionate. But he was still a person at the time. He had to be thinking. He had to be a little worried, a little afraid. He had, he had everything in the, in the world to worry about at the time. He had it all on his shoulders. But the example of Christ gives us strength to live, right? Because he lives, I can face the future, if life is not worth a living, but because Jesus lives, it is. And we're going to sing that in a couple of weeks. It's uh, one of Bethany's favorite songs. She's going to actually sing a solo right now. Go ahead. Because he lives. Amen. <laughs> She's going for it. She's going for it. The leaders, um, this, let's, let, so you understand, this was about the time right now in Mark 10 um, where we celebrate the week before Palm Sunday. How perfect. Next week, we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday. Hopefully, we're going to be waving palm branches if they're not in shortage. And, um, and this was right before that week. So this is where we pick up Jesus when the leaders were already starting to plot his arrest. I get a little poetic when I get to the Easter story. And just please forgive me, but I want to paint the picture. Pilate was getting nervous as more folks were pouring into the town. Judas might have already been having these evil thoughts. I don't know where they came from. Yes, we do know where they came from. Heaven was watching. Hell was scheming. The players were in position. The stage was already set. And Jesus painfully knew that once I walk into these city walls, once I go into Jerusalem... They're going to be cheering and all that, but, but once I go in, I am a marked man. It didn't help that one of the first things he did is went into the church and 
knocked over tables and stuff, but he did that. In his last moments before entering Jerusalem, he had to have them carefully calculated. Don't you think Jesus knew what he was doing? And as he was led by the Holy Spirit, his actions show us what is essential to our call. And the first thing I want to point out, it's very simple, but it was his posture that we find in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. Put it up on the screen. Number one, Jesus was completely, oh, sorry, I said put Mark 10, 32 up, but yeah, you can put that up. It says, back on the road, they set out for Jerusalem. Jesus had a head start on them. Now put up that first slide. Jesus was completely surrendered to God's plan. Completely surrendered. In our day, we don't say the word uh, sold out. You remember that word if you were a Christian uh, back in the 80s? Are you sold out today? We used to have uh, services called sold out services with the youth. And we would spell it S-O-U-L-E-D, sold out, right? We forget. We don't, we don't do sold out anymore. What we'd rather do in 2021 is, um, I wrote it down here. What did I say? Casually commit. <laughs> Would we rather casually commit? No, nah, not us, not us. But who wants to have a casually committed service? Say amen. We're going to come together. We're going to casually commit to Jesus Christ. Amen. Navigating the last days we find ourselves living in, we must resolve that it is essential to posture ourselves not casually committed, but sold out, fully surrendered to God's plan, fully surrendered. Um, that's what we celebrate in baptism today. That's why it's perfect that we talk about Jesus in his last days because in baptism we celebrate that people are giving their lives fully surrendered to Jesus. Listen, it's often that you see children be baptized. One reason is because most adults have already done this and made that decision. But another reason is because Kids give us the perfect example of fully surrendered. They don't have a lot of, well, wait, what about this? What about this? This? They, whatever, God, I want, I want whatever you have for me. That's why Jesus said, come to me, but you better be like children because you're going to have too much baggage if you come to me as an adult, right? And I, you know what I mean. We shouldn't be childish, but we should be childlike. Imagine this scenario with Jesus. Um, I can imagine Jesus feeling like giving up, right? Um, he's, he's, he's waiting for God to say, I'm going to call this off. I, you know, it's all right. I'm going to call this off because um, I understand you were, you were committed. Remember Abraham? G Jesus, I'm thinking, would say, remember what you did with Abraham? Like, he was going to kill his son, and then it didn't happen. Is that what's going to happen here? But there was silence. And it was probably in the garden when he was praying and crying and blood was coming down because he had such agony about this that he was expecting perhaps God to call it off. Maybe he wasn't. But the silence spoke louder than words to help him to realize that I must fully surrender. If you step back to normal days that we live in, um, we have no idea what it means to, uh, I mean, we do, but fully surrendered. I heard someone say, um, a preacher during this quarantine time, he said, um, we have sanitized Christianity. We've sanitized our hands, but we've sanitized Christianity. You know, in some countries, if you got baptized, there would be someone waiting outside to uh, take you to jail afterwards. And that's not, that's not uh, hyperbole. That's true. We have some friends that um, the church has uh, given and the offering to in missions that live in the Middle East. We don't even get to know what town they live in because it's, it's so dangerous. They, they send their emails and they call themselves J and J. And I'm supposed to not even tell you uh, what their names are. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, they have two little girls, and the neighborhood they were in, they were afraid for their life. They had to move to another neighborhood. But you got to still get there, so you got to get a truck. So they rented a truck from who knows who. They took the truck and never saw the truck again. They had nothing left, nothing left of their belongings. 
They had a new place to stay in another neighborhood with nothing. Go figure that. We don't understand um, what it is. Um, a theologian said of America, because we are so used to having freedom for whatever we want to believe, we are less committed to our convictions. Because we are so used to having freedom for whatever we want to believe, we are less committed to our convictions. Um, Jesus was expecting God to speak, and he didn't. It was silent. And I want to ask you a question today, back to our lives, to our hearts. We're going to go a little bit further, but let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a spot like Jesus? You're like, no, I, I can't compare myself to Jesus. But have you ever been in a spot where um, God was calling you to something, and you won't respond because you just don't want to respond. You don't want to surrender. No, not me. I would never. No, not I, God. No, not I, God. But I want to say in this moment, and I'm not over-exaggerating what this moment is. This is a holy moment. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. The Holy Spirit might be calling someone right now. Uh-oh. Right now. What, to the Middle East? Maybe. He might be calling you at the very least to rearrange your schedule, to yield to him, to fully surrender. I'll give you some ideas of what that might look like for you. But the truth is, the ideas I'm going to give won't uh, characterize everyone. Each person, Cynthia, Francie, Lila, Bethany, Every person in this room, Jaden, yours is, might be more simple than, than mine, but you're all called to something of surrender in some area deeper than you have in the past. Can I hear an amen? You're like, no, that, that was because I asked you. I know. Try to say it from your heart. Amen, right? He's got one le week left, Jesus, to convince the entire world that he's worth following. Jesus has one week left. So what should he do during this time? It's got to be pretty specific. He's got to create some kind of global impact. Let's look at one verse, and then I'm going to give one point, and then we'll be done. Here's the second point. Jesus was completely surrendered to God's plan, but he was fully focused on God's people. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 34. This is a story um, that most of you have heard before. This is his last days. This is a week before Palm Sunday. He should at least be like organizing the triumphant entry or something. And he says, now as they went out of Jericho, Jericho, a great multitude followed him. He was getting popular, right? And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. They said, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Keep going. So Jesus, stood, um, uh, so Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 33. They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. I know that the disciples were like, Jesus, like they had done before. We don't have time for this guy. We, we, got we got places to go, people to see. We really do. It, certainly, this, this week was around here when he prayed for the leper too. The leper, the, the guys, you're not even allowed to touch them. And Jesus took the time. Jesus took the time. He said immediately they received their sight and they then went and followed him. More popularity. But the point I want to make here is that um, Jesus, put that next point up, Jesus was fully focused. He was fully focused on God's people. I want to ask you a question. Everybody listening? This is going to be on the test. Who does God's people represent for you? Who is God's people? Well, so does that mean like the people here? Remember that God's people could even be people that are not believers yet. They just haven't met him yet. But they're God's people, 
right? That's a good point. You got to give me that, right? You got to, it's God. I mean, God created us all. So there's some people that we say, oh, the blind, right? Uh, we don't have time for them because they're not God's people. Well, they're God's people too. Who does God's people represent for you? Who is the blind man to you? That maybe your friends in church, not our church, but some churches, right? They might say, oh, don't bother with them. Who are the least of these that Jesus calls you to? Well, maybe you, everybody pictures the homeless man or the homeless, you know. But that's not necessarily the only ones. It might be someone right under your nose. It might be your family member that the last person you would think would ever awaken. <laughs> would ever let those, those bones are too dry to awaken. Maybe it's them that you're called to. Maybe on your way, you're on your last stage, you're focused, I know. I'm focused. Jaden always says that when he goes to school. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm on my way to church. But what if there is someone that God has put there? And it's maybe someone you know already. I know I just keep maybe, maybe. But I'm trying to find who that is for you. Maybe it's your own spouse or roommate that just doesn't know Jesus. Or they know Jesus, but they don't know him. What does God's people represent for you? We are called to be fully focused on those needs. I want to ask you, do you know why you seem to be drawn to a certain person? That's the Holy Spirit. Do you know why you're drawn to uh, want to fix their mailbox? Not me. That's not my calling. It might be your calling. Do you know why uh, you seem to be drawn to sh shovel their driveway? That could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do you know why you feel compelled to make them cookies? That's your ministry, not mine, but yours. Do you know why you feel compelled? Whatever that is, it's because the Holy Spirit is calling you to reach them. Why do you feel compelled to start a band? Why do you feel compelled to? I'm speaking to someone. Why do you feel compelled to? Whatever it is. Don't wait, oh, this is kind of uh, stepping on your toes, but, or maybe not your toes, but somebody. Don't wait for a church to plan an outreach so that they, that they can reach them. Let's farm it out to the church. And, yeah, there's a, there's a place for the church to do their outreach. It's important. Mass outreach is important. But sometimes God is calling us to plan our own outreach, right in our own backyard, right to our own neighbor. You don't have to wait for the advertisement from uh, somebody telling you, oh, here's the idea we're going to do. You should join along. God's called you. He's got all kinds of outreaches planned for you to do. And there's, a, there's the Holy Spirit on that point. That's not me speaking. I think that's from, from the Holy Spirit for someone. Step out and listen to the blind man. He's saying have mercy. He might be saying it in a different way, or she might be saying it not have mercy on us. They might be doing the opposite. They might be saying it the opposite. You make me sick. I don't like what you do. I don't like what you believe. I don't like what you stand for. I don't like you. That might be their have mercy. And when they do that to you, your call is to say, well, I don't like you either, right? No, your call is, that's probably them crying out for something. Trying to decide if I would, would the, um, come on up, Ev. Would you come up and play? And I'm going to call the whole team up in a second. Um, what is your story supposed to look like? Yeah, that's that's cliche. But what is what's what's it look like? What is the testimony you're supposed to share about how you're living out your last days? Well, I'm not even old yet. I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying we, we might be old. We might be done here. I'd be happy with that. Anyone else be happy with that? Amen. Yes, we still have to be focused on the loss, but could be soon. I'm reminded of my parents. They're here today, and I want to honor them in, in a certain way. But I, I also, um, they're very humble people, and um, they would say it about themselves. I'm just kidding. They're very humble but, uh, so they wouldn't like me to share this. But I love what they're doing. Um, he was a, they were pastors at a church, but 
their outreach is so different than what it should look like as that they used to be pastors of a church. What they do in their spare time is they go to exercise class. Well, that sounds harmless enough. It's not very religious. It's not very spiritual. But you know, everyone in their, their class are all kinds of uh, different religions. They're not Christians. They're not believers. They talk about God. They might say this or that, but they're not. And what they do is they model what a loving person looks like in their exercise class. And then it spills over. It spills over into, um, oh, hey, you want, do you want to be a part of our birthday party? Um, well, we'll plan, we'll plan your birthday party. Come over. We'll do a drive-by birthday party. We'll, we'll celebrate you. It, ter- it, it turns into after exercise class, they go have a picnic with their group. And all, they talk about this a lot, my parents. They talk about, oh, so-and-so and this person. And they know all about their lives. And then what happens is they text them. Yeah, old people text. I'm just kidding. They text them when they have a problem. Could you pray for so-and-so? My kid is sick, whatever. They go to them. That's what it looks like. What does it look like for you? What does it look like to be uh, focused on uh, God's people and fully surrendered? Everything Jesus did in his last days points us to how we are to live in these days we find ourselves living. I would encourage you, read through those Gospels. Almost half of the Gospels are talking about his last two weeks on earth. Read them. They're encouraging. You wonder how to live right now? Look at how Jesus lived. Jesus was completely surrendered to God's plan and fully focused on God's people. I know I've asked you a lot of questions today, but I'm going to end with these two. And I want you to put them on the screen. As we posture ourselves to celebrate Easter, are we in Lent right now? We're celebrating Lent. Some people are giving up certain things. As we posture ourselves to celebrate Easter, I ask this question. Are we completely surrendered to the one? Capital O, that's Jesus. Are we completely surrendered to the one? And number two, are we fully focused on the one? You know, the little O. That's the night. Jesus left the 99 and went and saved the one. There's a one somewhere in your lives you're supposed to focus on. There's a book called Not a Fan. It's about serving Jesus. It's by um, a guy named Eidelman. Something Eidelman. He's the pastor of Southeast Christian Church. It's like a church of 22,000 people. And he writes in his book about uh, don't be just a fan of Jesus, but be a follower. And he says, Jesus never asked you to sit on your, no, to sit on the guy, the sidelines and cheer for his cause. We're not to be enthusiastic admirers who just want all the benefits, but never get close enough to require sacrifice. Fans, this is what fans do. Fans repeat prayers. Fans attend church. Fans might even slap a Jesus fish on their bumper. But followers require radical, honest relationship with Jesus. What does a radical and honest relationship look like for you? Maybe it's showing up for church to, to model to your kids how important Jesus is. Maybe it's rearranging your schedule to accommodate what the Holy Spirit whispers for you to do. Come on up, team. Here's a good mission, here's a good mission for you. As Easter approaches, try to find a way to get people one step closer to Jesus. Sometimes it's not all the way there. I'm surrendered. I repent. Lead me through the prayer. Sometimes it's just one step. And sometimes it requires getting into their world, becoming a secret agent and meeting their needs and then plant a seed right there in that need. Plant a seed. And that's sometimes all you're supposed to do. 
the Holy Spirit does the rest. Sometimes he asks you to do a little watering here and there, but sometimes that's all he asks you to do. Plant a seed. We're going to go back to that song again. And I wanted to uh, mention that um, Ezekiel, when God called Ezekiel, would you call yourself Ezekiel for a minute? Is there any Ezekiels in the room? There's no one named Ezekiel. Is there? That'd be a great name. When we have our next, I'm going to call him Ezekiel. <laughs> but God said to Ezekiel, can these, this, this can preach, right? Can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel's like, oh, these people are, these people are so far away from Jesus. There's no way I can get them even one step closer to God. And God says, can these dry bones live? And then what happens is he sees literal dry bones come back to life. And I would say to you today, God would say to you, not me, it doesn't matter how dry it looks. I have called you to plant seed, water it, prophesy to it, prophesy to that Shelly or Bobby or Sherry or Carrie or Barry or Harry. Prophesy to them to live. Your goal, your part is just to prophesy it, plant the seed, water it. The Holy Spirit's job, thankfully, we're just, pre we're just preachers, right? We're just followers. His job will be to make them come alive. Why? Because the Lord is in this place. He has anointed you for such a time as this. No, I'm not saying it cliche, such a time as this. It's such a time. March, April, May, whatever. This, this is unique, is, is it not? Has Jesus got your attention since last March? We are in unique times. For such a time as this, he has anointed you. He has anointed you to surrender yourself. I'm not enough, God. I say this all the time. That's why this song resonates with me. I'm not enough unless you come. I'm not enough unless you come. No way am I enough on my own. Certainly not. None of us are. The Holy Spirit is asking you to call dry bones to awaken. So right now, would you stand with me just for a moment? Take a moment and say to Jesus, Say this out loud. Say, will you meet me here again? Help me be completely surrendered and be fully focused on your people. Anoint me, and I pray this over you as well. Anoint me to plant seeds and call dry bones to awaken.
cool spot to do it that we do it in the atrium. I think maybe sometime we'll do it right here since that'd be a less transition because if I have you go out there, I don't want you to lose what's going on right now in your hearts. I want you to watch this time together because that's your responsibility. You're supposed to watch these people surrender. You're supposed to watch these people be there. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.